0: Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia and Arena NZ. Take your Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s of the 2nd in it? Gary Hall Jr., the
1: extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe But the signature of
0: all eyes is the great man butterfly, Susie so O'Neill. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chevish in the right hands, Milton in the black hats, and Milton's got well it. I cannot believe he's done that. Today on the show for a chat is a man who has been a mainstay on the Australian coaching team now for the past six years. Uh, coaching Aussie stars like Jake Packard, Taylor McEwen and who can forget, uh, who can forget, sorry, easy for me to say. The incredible performance of uh, Kayla McEwen at this year's Tokyo Olympics. He's recently made the move down the coast uh, to become the new head coach of Bond University and I'm excited to have him on. For a chat about that and all things swimming it's uh, it's a big pleasure to welcome to off the blocks mr chris mooney mate how are you robbie,
1: robbie really well thanks for having me and really excited to uh to sit down for however long it is and and uh chew the fat
0: yeah well we just spoke for 20 minutes i didn't make a mistake <laughs> i tried to introduce you and i stumbled on my words so there you go that, that's just <laughs> how it goes stuff. mate how have you been anyway how's uh, how's um life treating you more down the coast yeah really good um I sort of
1: had a big break post Olympics, um, I'm thinking eight, nine weeks. And, uh, I actually needed every hour of that, you know, like it was a, you know, usually Olympic cycle is four years. This one was five years. Um, you know, and even up until about six weeks before we left for Tokyo, there was all these little rumors and and stories sort of breaking that is it going to be on? Isn't it going to be on? Uh, we always just followed plan A and plan A that it was going to be on and, and we were going to be ready. And, and if it wasn't on, then, well, okay, we'll be disappointed then more so than, okay, well, if we're not ready and it's on, then we're really going to be disappointed. So we, we sort of always went with plan A, but I think it took a lot out of not just myself, but you know, all the facilitators, all the coaching staff. And, um, yeah, I used that eight weeks, went off grid for a bit and, uh, definitely reset. Um, uh, and yeah, as I said, needed every hour, um, and then yeah, I've, hit, I've hit the ground running and I'm, I'm energised and, and I'm really excited about the future. Well,
0: we'll get to it a little bit later with that sort of work-life balance, which I think is really important It probably doesn't get spoken about enough. Certainly on Swimming Podcasts, you know, we're all about the performance and how good it was, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and there's a lot of sacrifices that get made around that and I want to get into that later. But what does uh, going off-grid mean for Chris Mooney? What would you get up to?
1: Uh, yeah, re- relocating to the Gold Coast, that sort of was one. Um, but yeah, just switching the phone off, you know, like having a sleep in, grabbing a surfboard, having two surfs, having three surfs during the day. Um, you know, I think the coming out of quarantine was 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 forced rest there, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I just I'm a big ocean guy, so I I try to spend as much time in the water, surfing, fishing. Um, and just sort of just resetting, just resetting, thinking about, okay, what does this next you know, three-year journey look like? Because to me, it's, you know, I was having conversations with different coaches and different athletes. And it's like, it was two styles. It was like, oh, yeah, but it's, it's three years. And it's, okay, well, yeah, okay. And then there was the other side of the coin where it's, oh, but it's only three years. And yeah. It's, the, it's I, just, I was just, everyone was caught in the three-year thing, whereas I, I was trying to bring it back to, okay, what does the journey look like? So I think I spent a lot of time just philosophizing over, I don't know if that's a word, but, you know, seeing what our philosophy was in regards to putting a a really awesome journey together, um, that just so happens to be a three-year period. So I think that was nice and, uh, I was discovered that nice and early in the piece and um, yeah, I spent a lot of time just sort of going over that and, and you know, working out what that was going to look like.
0: Glad you say that, philosophy, because I've got a question about coaching philosophy. So it's, uh, it's interesting you say that. Now, we've got a few things to, to catch up on about, mate, but first things first, let's get to the big move. How did it come about? Um, and after what you'd been able to build at, at USC, how difficult was it to make that move?
1: Oh, very difficult. Um, I, you know, I still sort of, you know, have, have the, a lot of good friends and family up the Sunshine Coast, um, and I'd, I'd lived there for 14 years. Even though I'd sort of worked in Brisbane and, and did a lot of travelling, I, I, I yeah, the region's an amazing region. Uh, we I worked at a in a great facility. Um, we had assembled an amazing professional team, um, and we had some you know some amazing athletes. Uh, In that program over the years, and and we got some some pretty handy results. But um, yeah, it was probably more about a reset. It was probably okay. Well, we sort of achieved everything that I I sort of set out to achieve, and I think more than anything, it was it was just looking for what that next journey was going to look like. And as I said earlier, um, yeah, there, there needed to be a new journey. There needed to be some some different energies and. Uh, some different challenges, but yeah, it was it was a, a real tricky and tough decision to make. But yeah, it sort of revolved around you know that that energized journey that um, I was looking forward to to continue coaching. You know, it was it was important to me that it was there.
0: And the opportunity itself is that something just right time, right place. You were looking for a bit of a, a switch up, and that it presented itself.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think in our profession, we usually. You know it's around that Olympiad, that four year period that um that the jobs do come up, I guess. Um, and yeah, it was um it was yeah, it was just probably the, the right timing for it. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a believer in fate. So mm. perhaps you know fate was sealed in, in that respect. But um you know this Bond University it's an amazing brand. It's, yeah. again it's an amazing facility. It's another university. It's my third university that I've worked at. Um, I just it allows me to be innovative it allows me to come to work and and challenge myself every day in regards to the innovation and and I think the only limits that you have is is your imagination and when you're at a university there, there's there's no excuses you know not to challenge yourself in that space so um, you know the front office is amazing Gary you know we've got an amazing front office with Haley and Yvette and the coaching staff Kyle and Xander and and, and you know we move across into the the space of the underpinning program and the athletes that had already in the program and, and it really was ticking all the boxes so yeah it was a, a real easy decision in, yeah. the, in the in the long run
0: yeah i'm glad you took me into there because that was my next question how's the initial time been there at bond i know some of the boys that train there firstly i talked to uh flint southam quite a bit i talked mm. to alex graham dan hunter as well you've got a great crew there what's it been like in your initial yeah. stage i'm sure i've missed a few out there but they're the, they're the boys i talk to more often
1: Yeah, so a couple of boys went across to Miami with Rich, um, and and that's virtually across the highway. So Mm -hmm. it's it's it's, as the crow flies, it's not very far at all. Um, Yeah, but Flynn, you know, I don't know. You just you just you won't hear me talk about individual athletes very often, or individuals. You know, I always like to use the the terms "we" and "our." You know, like because we are a team and it is our team. Everyone has a a responsibility and a role to create a, a really amazing program. Um, but you mentioned Flynn and yeah, it was similar to Kaylee, similar to all the good ones. You know, there's just that little thing that they do. There's that little thing that they, that, that, that becomes a non-negotiable. And, and I, and I see a lot of those, uh, those, those, um, you know, those areas that he does very, very well. And we've got some other ones too. So, um, I'm not going to put any pressure on them by mentioning them. Uh, you know, they know who they are and, and uh, they're ticking along very, very nicely, but um, yeah, the, the, the good ones do the one percenters very well all the time. They're the non-negotiables that they just get done better than most, I guess. And, mm. Yeah, we, we're, we've got a few of those guys.
0: Well, mate, you've coached. You mentioned Kaylee there, and you coached her for such a long time. Has it been difficult for you with sort of both you guys making changes around the same time, given the phenomenal success you've just come off? i mean it seems it seems weird from an outsider looking in, but obviously you guys know the ins and outs of what's going on um, there but yeah it's it just it seems like it would be such a, a weird sort of dynamic for you guys based off the phenomenal success you've had and now both of you you know looking to to move around
1: yeah so we, we i think I think we we trust each other which is which is key you know we, we've we've been in a, in a lot of different trenches together and we've created that trust and um, yeah there was there was quite a few lunches and coffees and in conversations but we basically knew that the decisions that we come up with were the decisions were the right decisions and no matter what decisions they were you know we've got each other's back like um you know we I think and that as i said it just comes back to that trust and, and 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 no matter what decision had been made in that space we we support each other and we'll continue to support each other um you know you can't go through the vigors and the and the trials and the tribulations of the last five years and that, of that Olympic period and um and just you know not not have each other's back and not trust each other so yeah I I'll always be there for her as to will she I guess and um but yeah watch that space she's uh, she's only getting started so I'm I'm really looking forward to becoming a bit of a swim fan now I guess more so <laughs> than just her coach so I've seen her do some amazing things yeah and uh, I'm looking forward to that continuing to watch that progress that's for sure
0: yeah, well, don't worry, mate. We are going to touch on that and get to some of those amazing things in a moment. And before we sort of move on from it and just sort of that conversation around a lot of change, you know, it's not just you guys. Obviously, there's a lot of swimmers. You mentioned it there, you know, sort of after an Olympiad. That's the time people, swimmers, coaches, look to make their changes. Um, you know, I'm not going to mention, but there's a lot of, you know, coaches have moved. Play. I know um, Chris Nesbitt's coming down to Sydney. There's a lot of movement going on. Is it an exciting time, do you think, for swimming here in Australia if over the next, you know, you mentioned it, three years? years whether it's three years or three years it's yeah. still you know there's still a lot of changes years, this is right? yeah, yeah, yeah exactly um is it exciting do you think given the changes we're seeing
1: yeah it's a big year next year so um i know there's a few programs at the moment that are, are really digging deep and, and hitting their straps and, and haven't you know haven't sort of missed too many tricks they um and that's great but um yeah i think always off the back of that olympic gear there's it's opportunity. It's opportunity yeah. for a those 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 young guys that are sort of stepping up into the open categories that are hungry and that are doing the work. This this is usually that breakout year for them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing who puts their hand up there. Um, and not just talking about athletes; that's also coaches. So we've yeah. got some great um, up and coming coaches, and um, and who just so happen to have some great athletes as well. So this is going to be a really awesome time for them. Um, an awesome time for for myself to sort of sit back and and see if those are a few of my my colleagues that I've I've followed and and, and worked with and and are friends of. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, But I think in other situations, it's also, you know, you sort of have cut your teeth on a few other Olympic cycles and you probably now have a a process that may be different to that. Um, And and that that would be that stepping stone goals of, of setting Opportunities to perhaps get athletes on national teams, but have the the right ones get ready to to make it count again in three years' time, because um, that's the penultimate challenge that we face. Um, you know, they're the, they're the they're the ones that I suppose that I'm trying to get athletes ready for now. Is is the next Olympic Games, and but at the same time, there will be stepping stones. There'll be yeah. there'll be goals that we set there, and that'll also happen to be putting athletes on on national teams. That's I think what we do really really well as coaches and but that'll always drive me.
0: Mm. Well, as is usually the case, mate, uh, you guys up there in Queensland, are, I think getting it absolutely spot on. And a lot of those changes I spoke about are, are, are happening up there in Queensland. And uh, a lot of, you know, hubs being set up and, and new sort of programs. And, you know, there's Melbourne swimmers coming up to train now on the Gold Coast. There's a lot of sort of different changes. So I'm excited to see all of that uh, come to fruition over the next three years. That's for sure. Now, we're definitely going to get to the Tokyo success in a minute, mate. But, you know, this is the first time I've had you on for a chat. I mean, we know each yeah, other outside of this. but Well, yeah, I know. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I mentioned to my missus the other day, I said, do you reckon anybody's ever been like a little bit put out that they haven't been asked yet? Like if they look and go, how did my mate get asked to get on there and I haven't even been asked yet? So I, I do apologise for anybody. It's it's not a personal thing. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, no, this is the first time we've had a chat, mate. So, you know, I want to give the listeners a bit of an insight into your sort of coaching journey. I don't want to get bogged down in it, you know, because obviously we've got a lot to talk about. But take us back. Where, where did coaching start for you? Uh, Laurie, uh, so probably Dennis Cottrell. Um, I had a,
1: a little bit of a side hustle, a little bit of a business going on, and I was just reading through the newspaper one day, and there was a, a swim coaching job in uh, positions vacant, and I was just being nosy, Pick up the phone, called it, Dennis answered. I'd sort of walked away from the sport for a little bit. And um, Dennis answers, and he says, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, just being a bit nosy. He said, well, look, you know, I'm I'm looking for someone to do like a couple of afternoons a week for me. And I said, okay. I said, well, I've got no qualifications. Like, I've got no idea how to do it. But, you know, and he goes, I'll tell you what, if I don't get anyone that's better than you, I'll give you a call back. So I was like, okay, that's fair. I guess. But
0: then
1: about two weeks later, he calls back and says, mate, why didn't you call me? I'm like, no, no, you said to me, I strictly remember. Yeah. If you didn't get anyone better than me, you would call me. And obviously you haven't got anyone better. He goes, no, can you help me out? And I said, sure. So don't, you know, go easy on me. You know, I'll I'll be learning on the run. Yeah. No learning on the run, mate. He just chucked me straight in the deep end yeah, you know, I, I swam with Dennis for for five, six years as well. So, you know, yeah. I, I knew I knew his philosophy. I I knew, you know, his his you know emotions and his energies and so forth that he, he brought to training and what he expected from the athlete. So it was pretty easy to jump onto that that emotion and and and, and that uh, and that wavelength. But yeah, just all oh, the three sessions sort of turned into five, and the five turned into eight, and then before I knew it. I was at that crossroads and I thought, wow, if I'm going to actually do this, I'm going to have to probably walk away from But I was an assistant coach for five or six years. Yeah. And um, and then an opportunity which came up um, at the yeah. University of Hawaii, and I'd probably like to just to take this opportunity to make mention that a very good friend of mine, Jason Plummer, who um, was a very good swimmer, I uh, saw uh, Commonwealth, gold, gold, Commonwealth Games gold medalist in the 1500s brilliant human being passed last week in his sleep oh sorry in the early hours of the morning mm. but jace was the one um that got me the job in hawaii jace was working with a with the head coach and he wanted to to move on and do different things and the coach wouldn't let him resign until he replaced no. himself with an australian coach so he reached out to me he said hey got a job for you in hawaii what do you think and i'm going what do i think where do i sign you know so <laughs> um Ended up heading over to Hawaii and worked in the NC2A system under Mike Anderson. Learned a stack there. Mike was very science driven. He uh, he wasn't a conventional type coach. So I think you know having Dennis as my my mentor, having Mike as my my second mentor, um, I think I, they they sort of challenged me early in the piece to to not just go with the status quo, but to use science, to use your coaching eye, to use the coaching gut, but also have it revolve around science and innovation, you know, I pretty was fortunate enough that that was instilled into me quite early. So, um, yeah, they're they're probably my two big influences. And then I think the opportunities of creating programs like Australian Crawl, um, you know, Indooroopilly, and then USC. So I've I've had a little bit of luck moving into programs that I know we're able to, to, you know, attract the right facilitators, attract the right athletes. And, and, and I think with, with that sort of as our base and, and then the innovation of coaching, we, we sort of found ourselves getting a couple of handy results. And, and yeah, I do what I do because I enjoy doing it. It doesn't mean that it's, it's right or whether it's wrong. It's, I do it because I enjoy doing it and I pretty much don't know any other way to do it. So yeah. that's probably the, the short short of it. Is uh, you yeah, know two quite inspirational uh, mentors. And then, of course, Jaco. Um, he was very instrumental in, in, in the, the last four or five years to not only empower me, but to, to continue my learnings around the power and capacity philosophy of coaching.
0: Mm. Well, mate, uh, sorry to hear about your, your friend there. And I think it sort of hits home that, you know, as much as we talk about coaching and we talk about swimming, that, you know, there's, it's all more to do with life and, and those things are much more powerful or important. And um, He was an amazing was-
1: guy. He swam, swam at Stanford University. Um, was a part of that dot com era at Stanford, that Silicon Valley, brilliant, brilliant storyteller, um, hard worker, hard trainer, um, and I know there's there's a lot of coaches and 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 swimmers that are aware of Jace, and, um, yeah, they're probably aware of the situation, but I just wanted to have a, have a moment to give him a shout out and, and say he's going to be sorely missed. He's a good yeah, man. man.
0: Well said. You you said there before you were assistant coach for five or six years. What was it that grabbed you when you sort of made that decision? You said you had a bit of a side hustle going on. I'm se- I'm secretly interested in what that side hustle was. By the way, I had a real
1: estate. It? I had a real estate business.
0: <laughs> How was that going? Not bad, actually. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then so you've you've decided. Nah, look, I'm going to give this a crack. What what was it that really grabbed you about coaching? I think for all coaches, there's there's a few different things, but what was it for you that, where you thought, "No, nah, look, I could go down the, the real estate route and keep making a bit of coin, but this is really, you know, I'm passionate about this. This is grabbing me. Yeah, It was, it
1: was the sport itself. It was the, you know, I, I think the, the fortunate thing for me is I walked away from the sport for a few years. So it gave me a chance to sort of miss it. Mm. Um, and I think that was key, you know, and then, as I said, you know, I, I swam with Dennis. I had a lot of good friends that, that, um, that i would met through swimming and and someone told me many many years ago find something you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life and and i love the sport of swimming that's you know I'm, I'm not just yeah like i had so many friends that i made through that that aquatic journey and they yeah. you know, become your aquatic family but um yeah I, I think that i just missed the sport and it was once i sort of got reintroduced to it again i, I fell back in love with it pretty hard and um yeah, and I thought I think I got mentored and nurtured in, in a way that that made me love it even more than what I had in the past. I guess.
0: Mate, mm. I couldn't agree more. I, I think I've said a few times on the podcast. Like I started coaching. I, I swam at Campbelltown here in New South Wales, and uh, Alan Thompson was my coach, and he started you know, me into coaching, and he said, oh, do you want to start doing a bit of coaching? I said, yeah, he goes, I'll pay you. And my first thought was, well, what a sucker. I was going to do it for free. Like, I I, I never actually thought I was going to get paid. I was like, I was excited just to, to be a part of it. So, no, I definitely get get where you're going with that, mate. That's for sure. Now, it's a pretty broad question, but given sort of the su- su- sustained success that you've had over the last, say, you know, five to six years, but even before that, but sort of at that elite level, I'm sure people are interested in, in this answer. What is your sort of coaching philosophy around sort of developing that sort of successful elite athlete from a junior level? What What is that? I mean, this could be a super broad question. You could probably do a whole seminar on it really with with PowerPoint presentations. But it's funny enough,
1: Dean Boxman and I have got a, uh, a <laughs> seminar just about that actually coming yeah. up. So watch this space. Um, I'm ready for it. <laughs> no, I think it's holistic. You know, it has to be holistic. You know, you have to have a long-term athlete development plan. Um, you have to believe in it. Um, and I think, and you, you know, it's okay to make a few mistakes as long as you don't keep making the same mistakes. I'm a big believer that if you keep making the same mistake, that becomes a choice. Um, but yeah, it's it's all, you, you've got to have a plan and you've got to trust that plan. And, um, and it, it's not just about the results that you're getting in the water because, you know, Winning only makes you happy for so long. I think you've got to you've got to win and be happy outside the pool to keep winning and being happy in the pool. Yeah. And I think that's an area that maybe I've done okay or I've, I've focused on to to be the point of difference in regards to um, maybe you know neglecting it. I think um, you know I've, I've had a chance to work with some really really good athletes, even not just rookies and put rookies on a team, but I've also had some athletes that have had some success and, and maybe sort of fell off the national team. And, and we quickly identified that, hey, if we can make ourselves a little bit happier outside the pool, I think that's going to flow into the pool. And then bang, sure enough, we, we started getting some results. So that was a, a clear indicator to me that, okay, it's great to have a plan, but their plan also needs to have holistic values in and out of the pool to, to have it balanced and, and make sure we're happy, happy in and out of the water
0: yeah it's it's i mean it's fantastic advice mate no I, I think it's it's interesting you say that i had shana jack on the podcast the other week and i, I, I spoke uh thank you i spoke a lot to her about like what did you learn through your time away because so much of her sort of down period was more about her you know perceiving herself to be i'm an athlete and i'm nothing more than an athlete and yeah. that's sort of what drove her down because i can't be what You know people know me as but you know i think it's perfect what you just said there that uh, you know having that balance and looking outside of that and knowing yes you you are an athlete but you're also you know you can be this as well you can have these passions and and that's important even for coaches right
1: yeah and it's different for everyone like we i think the fact that i've I've been fortunate enough to work in three universities when you when we're in this space we actually look at the, the the swimmers as student athletes so you know, it takes the pressure off just the result that they're getting in the pool. Like it takes the result off just you know the result that they're getting in the classroom. And if we can balance both of those, it's a it's a it's a pretty big thing, you know, to, to be successful academically and athletically. You know, so but not everyone studies. So therefore, it's a matter of okay, what what makes you happy? Is it spearfishing? Is it surfing? How do we balance that right? Is it community work? So yeah, it's it's not just what happens when they walk through the door it's you know it's the the little sort of um off the ball type things that you need to work with athletes to um to help not just through the through the the junior years but also you know if you get that process right and you're invested in you know in communication and, and all that sort of thing and you know keep you know throwing on as many hats as you can to sort of you know fulfill that space but um yeah, I, th- I think it just makes for a, for a more balanced athlete, and, and therefore, hopefully, we we can continue them in, in the sport and keep you know keep getting results with them.
0: Yeah, sort of reminds me, I spoke to, um, so I do the Shannon Rollison podcast, as you can see behind me on that little thing there. We had Tani White on the other week and she was talking about, obviously, when you go to the AIS back in the day, it was um, earn or learn. You know, you had to be working or you had to be learning or you couldn't just go yes. there to train. And um, I think, you know, just touching on what you just said, I think it's perfect because it just sort of, as you said, gives a more balanced um, finished product of a person and helps them grow. So, mate, exactly. perfect advice. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Mate, speaking of developing talents let's get to Tokyo and the success that that you know you had there and and you know you shared with Kaylee over there and preparation wise what was the lead up to the games like we know 2020 was postponed we talked about that with a COVID break did you take that time to tinker with things to, to see things was it in a, in a way a blessing <laughs> in disguise for you to be able to go okay well we've noticed a few things here because no doubt in trials you know she breaks the world record she's on fire we know she carries that through to Tokyo so what What was that preparation like
1: so the nine weeks i think it's not i'm going to call it nine weeks it felt like nine weeks could have been a little bit less or a little bit more but we have three values that we have at usc and they're not just values in our program but values that we carry outside of the program you know respect accountability and attitude and that was a really really awesome test for our values and respect in regards to accountability Uh, we weren't big on zooms we might have had one every two weeks or something just to sort of tick a box but Mm. basically we just said to the guys hey you live on the sunshine coast use your athletic intelligence make good choices around you know exercise and and bits and pieces but um don't stress you know this this nine weeks will probably never ever ever come again but you know touch wood
0: yeah
1: (laughs) um but you know that was a cell that we used and um yeah, I think we had a couple of athletes with maybe one or two tiny niggles. We had probably one or two athletes come back with a, a niggle as well because they just went too hard at their, their cross-training. But I, I think our values really tied us over well there with accountability. Um, we, had, we had some workouts, and funnily enough, we'd sort of turn up at the same beach to be doing some runs from runs, but none of it was super organized. It was just quite casual, and, and we stayed quite fit. Um, we did some DEXA scans off the, like Jake and I, um, sourced a, a friend of ours that had a gym that lived pretty close to us. Uh, Gary Slater, I actually, I, I'll mention Gary cause he was very, he was re- very much appreciated that Gary would sort of left us a key and we could go use, use his downstairs gym. And
0: very nice.
1: And when we did our DEXA scans, um, we actually probably put more lean muscle mass on that we, than we did when we were in our big blocks of training. So I sort of have a philosophy around that is like we probably weren't under as much fatigue as what we were maybe or, you know before gym. So we'd sort of, we'd swim and then go into gym, but we were probably already muscle fatigued from the swimming and then we'd go to the gym and we probably weren't getting the gains that we were trying to get. But because the one session for the day that myself or Jake or the girls may have chose to do might've been just gym, they probably lifted better and lifted heavier and lifted fresher than they have had before. So therefore got that, that lean, lean gain, that lean mm. muscle gain. So there was, a lot of, um, there was a lot of learnings to come out of that COVID, yeah. you know, like um, we stayed fit. That We used really good decisions around just lifestyle, I guess. And, um, and in, the, in the background, Nathan and myself and Mark McKean worked really hard on a, a return to work because, you know, we, you know we, we are professional coaches. We are professional athletes. So we weren't returning to swim. We were looking at it. We, we created a document that we called returning to work. Um, and our pandemic response team loved it. We used all the right language. So we actually got back in the pool probably a little bit earlier than most. Um, again, we didn't sort of rush that. Um, I think because of the choices that we made in that nine weeks, we we weren't coming from the fence, mate, you know, like we were, we were pretty solid. You know, we, we had some fairly good, you know, cardio and that was conditioned through riding or swimming or beach walking or spearfishing. Um, we were fresh mentally because you know we we didn't put the pressure on and have the podcast every every three days or and I just and I think where we were at that stage we probably needed that reset and um, once we sort of got that opportunity back we thought holy crap we nearly lost that um, and you know when something gets taken away from you it's you, you, you sort of think oh, I'm, if I ever get that chance again I'm not going to let that happen and, yeah. and we got that chance again and, and we grabbed it with both hands and, and we jumped back on the plan we actually tapered for state titles because that would have been similar to um where we would have been racing just to sort of ha- and when we swam well in October so then we sort of reset again we sort of like tweaked the plan a little bit and just extended it for another 12 months and we all swam well in, in Jan, we all swam well in Feb. So I don't know, it just it just gave us really good confidence that we'd made some really good choices and, and the plan was working and um, we didn't really have to change too much. We just had to arrive on the day and, and whether it was at trials or at late state chance, we didn't have to do much different to what we were doing and that's just be the, the best Jake or the best Kaylee or or the best Tessa we possibly can and, and yeah, we didn't we didn't have too many any given Sunday speeches at any stage. We just we just needed to be the, the you know what we were for the last eighteen months leading into that. We we had a lot of trust in ourselves.
0: Yeah, you say sort of learning from that experience, and it is important, definitely, for for coaches to learn from those experiences. I agree with you. Do you think looking ahead? Would you recommend at any point maybe, you know, we just saw there you had nine weeks off, you were still able to maintain a level of fitness, gain some strength, come back, you know, in certain ways, maybe even stronger. Would you look at something like that in the future? Because I think sometimes we can kind of get sucked straight back into the cycle, can't we? Of like, oh, we're back on now and we're chasing the rabbit again.
1: Yeah, so this is this is just what I do. This doesn't mean that if no one if if I'm the only one doing it, it doesn't mean that I'm right or and everyone else is wrong. This is yeah. by all means just why we do it or what we do. But in a part of our macro cycle, we have like three afternoons where we don't prescribe any exercise to the athletes, but they are expected. I don't know if that's that's probably too staunch a word, but we rely on the athletes to come up with their own prescription of exercise. And it's just for an hour. It could be a stand-up paddleboarding session. It could be, you know, walking the dog. It could be a yoga class. But it's, I, I really do believe that our sport is heavily over-prescribed. And, you know, and we were doing it way before COVID, but COVID just reinforced that, hey, listen, these guys are top-notch a- athletes for, for more than just one reason. It's more than just genetics. It's, it's you know, they're, they're, they're skilled. You know, they're They're driven. You know, you give them an opportunity of ownership and empowerment, and um, you know, they'll make the right decisions nine times out of ten. And I think us having that in our in our daily macro cycle anyway set us up for for good choices, and it helped us through that period. But I think the nine weeks just reflected that. Hey, this is something that that's that's valuable, and um, yeah, I, I can trust the athlete to prescribe those sessions and, and not have to to be there, let alone um, you know, like. They can be innovative you know it's like oh coach only took the dog for a walk where are we? Oh, down the beach how long now beautiful yeah fantastic great idea how was that oh yeah it was beautiful sunset so you know again it was they haven't just been you know laying being passive and, and on the xbox and drinking mountain dew and eating <laughs> eating cheetos you know they're, they're actually making lifestyle choices and, and i think that helps them set up for the future as well post swimming so um, yeah, i yeah i really applaud you know applaud them for that and um Yeah, that's probably been the biggest lesson for me is that, hey, the athletes are good athletes and they'll make the right decisions when it counts.
0: Yeah, very well said, mate. And you're right, like there's many ways to skin a cat, as you said, and what works for you might not work for others and what works for others might not work for you. But I, I think it's all food for thought, which is why I love doing this podcast because yep. people can take little tidbits away, which which I love. I wrote that bit down, by the way, about those, you know, prescribed, over-prescribed and I, I couldn't agree more with you. I thought you were the, the Mountain
1: Dew no. and Cheetos.
0: The Mountain no, Dew man. reminded me of Ricky Bobby when the, his son just says, I'm all jacked, I'm all jacked up jacked I'm I'm all Mountain, Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And you got the white Bonds t-shirt on. you got like the, the orange <laughs> fingerprints down your shit. You don't, want, yeah. you don't want your control buttons to be all slippery.
0: Yeah, that's the one. Um, mate, before we, we get into, like, the Tokyo experience itself, I know a lot of coaches listen to this for sets and programs. And, again, it's all relative to your own program too. So just be – you know, don't – obviously what works for you doesn't work for others and it's got a balance whether it's in a, a sprinter or, a, you know, what age group you're, you're coaching and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, obviously – Great success in Tokyo with Kaylee. What were some of your go-to sets in that preparation that made you feel sort of pretty confident you were you were on the right path?
1: Well, first of all, Kaylee is probably the most proficient and dedicated swimmer I've come across. I've come across some good ones and that's taking nothing away. So her attention to detail um, and how she goes about her business is unbelievable. It really is. So I think that's an absolute credit to her and. So the prescription of the training sets um, is, is, is certainly mirrored with the, the effort and the dedication that she brings and she shows every day, every day. So that's that's key. So it's not always in the in the set, it's 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 the athlete looking into the set and then just drawing as much out of it as he or she can, and, and she does that better than, than most. Yeah. So um uh, so we spend most of the year working in anaerobic capacity. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll suit up three times a week. We really will. So it makes it difficult if you, if you haven't got a suit sponsor or you, are, <laughs> you're, you're a bit low on suits. So, um, it's not always great, but we, I, I really believe that there's no, no substitute for speed. I've never, I've never seen the fittest athlete win a race, it's usually always the fittest athlete. And that's, that's sort of how, you know, there may be, there may be an exception to the rule, but. No exception, no no uh, exception for speed. Um, so we'll do a lot of work around the anaerobic capacity. So we'll do um, 650s, you know, on three minutes. We might do 450s on seven minutes um, suited. Um, we might do a same set, but do it short course. Um, I know one of the sets that I used to find really tough was... Uh, 12.25s on two minutes with t-shirts on mm-hmm. um, and we also used to do a lot of work with um, with our passive rest. We would sort of do 6.50s but we would do them on, have four minutes passive rest but two of those minutes we would do with uh, an oxygen um, restriction mask on and um, so the first two minutes they'd get out of the pool put the mask on and just you know, really pull hard to get that air in and then I'd give them minutes to get fresh air in and to sort of get themselves up and ready and mate we used to get some amazing lactate production results out of that i remember i hope kelly doesn't mind me telling you half of these stories should have (laughs) checked with her first but it was one of those sets where it just blew me away she used to do it all the time and so did the the team you know like it, it was infectious you'd see someone sort of pulling out big times or big swims or big lactate numbers and everyone just jumped on it you know but um the, the lactate machines sort of don't register anything over 25. And Kaylee produces quite quickly. So we, we, we tested her at two minutes and it was error. So that means her lactate was over 25. Wow. So we tested her at three minutes, error, four minutes, error, five minutes, error, six minutes, error. We got all the way up to nine minutes, error. On the 10th one we took, it was 25.0. So I got no idea what that lactate production was for the yeah. nine minutes leading into that that one um, that one that one read that we got, and and sure enough, she she dropped quite quickly as well. So um, yeah, so we spend most of the season chasing speed. So usually around a, you know set designs, anything around you know sort of like that three hundred meters capacity like yeah. distance. So we'll do that three times a week and make sure that we set those sessions up so we're sort of hitting those sessions with. With good stores of glycogen. Um, and then leading into our taper, we probably look at doing about six power sessions. So, creating six of the toughest sessions we possibly can design. So, a basic term for that would be broken work. So, if you're a 400 freestyler, you might do, you know, 100 on 120 from a dive. Then you might do, say, 450 or say, 650s, sorry, 450s on say 50. You know, at best pace and then 100 push at best pace Um, and then do, you know, three or four hundred swim off and do that two or three times. So the aerobic guys are anywhere from, you know, start them off at 800, build them up to 1,600-metre sets. The sprinters would probably go anywhere from, you know, four to 600 metres of of broken work. They could be broken 75s or broken 100s or a series of broken, you know, 275s and 100 or, you know, a break, two broken 50s, oh, sorry, three broken 50s, two broken 75s, a broken 100. So mm. I, I can usually take the sprinters all the way up to maybe, you know, 400 to 600 metres. But as soon as I see them sort of fall apart, we'll stop. There's no point in taking them into a, like a, a tolerancy type sort of session. Yeah. To be their best output. You know, some mix, um, some max VO2 work in there for the middle distance guys. And up. Um, but I think Kaylee's go-to set, you know, is the is the twelve one hundred suited on two thirty short course meters? Um, yeah, she she's done that a couple of times, and she's produced you know some some fifty eight eight averages for that whole set. Yeah. So that's I think that's the one that we sort of test the water with, and that's usually the last big power set we do before we go into the taper. So is, I don't think there's a tougher set in the book. She does it very very well because you know all the team leads up to to building into that type of set. And um, we're usually somewhat successful around that and that we just look at each other and we just know it's time to taper now because we can't make any more physiological gains in, in that area. So let's rest up. And, and we're certainly not scared to rest. So that's another thing we enjoy doing is tapering because uh, that's, uh, that, that allows the, you know, the muscles to freshen up, you know, take away the muscle fatigue, uh, you know, let all the, the energy systems and the glycogens fill up. And, and uh, yeah, we... Yeah, we, we really embrace tapering. It's, it's good fun. And you can tell when they're starting to freshen up all the chirpiness. On, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, banter, the banter starts getting a bit more frequent and, uh, yeah, a yeah. few more smiles and, and so forth. So, yeah, we love taper time as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm interested. A couple of things, just on what you just touched on there, mate. That that oxygen exercise. Like, where, where did you come up? Obviously, you, you learned that from Samuel. Is that just you, sort of being curious and reading and researching? Did somebody sort of impart that onto you, and you thought, oh, okay, that's you know, that's interesting. where did you come up with with that? Yeah, I
1: was talking to a couple of Commandos. I've been working with the Commandos for quite some time. My son's done a couple of tours of Afghanistan, you know, like, and it's like, how do you get ready for altitude? You know, and it's like, well, you don't. don't get ready for allergy because there's just no oxygen in the air and it's like well how do you get used to it and they they pretty much told me that they would spend a period of their time at 3200 feet with these oxygen masks so what they were trying to do is they were trying to strengthen the the intercostal muscles the lung muscles so that yeah you know you're just going to keep pulling hard at the air because you, you need more and more oxygen and what makes you tired is that the amount of contractions and, 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 and how much you're huffing and puffing to try and get that air in, those, those muscles aren't conditioned. So we try to target those muscles and try to um, you know, create resilience in them and, 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 and a conditioning of, of those muscles. So, yeah, they're going to huff and puff, but because we're huffing and puffing and hopefully we've conditioned them better than others have that maybe not using this philosophy, um, we save energy because we're not using as much energy or we're conditioned to that process. Um, and then, of course, they would then go to six thousand feet and do some more training and, and go about their work, you know. But um, yeah, it sort of stood out to me. Okay, well, why wouldn't we do that, you know? Like yeah. sometimes, you know, if you're a fifteen meter sprinter, you're not having any oxygen, or if you're a hundred meter sprinter, you might be breathing fours or sixes. So you know, you're going to huff and puff. Or when you're in training sets, you're huffing and puffing. How can how can we be innovative in around you know targeting targeting that philosophy? And, and that was. You know with conversation with Mark McKean and, and Nathan Doyle, my colleagues, who I like, you know, I like used to we used to bounce so many ideas off each other. It's not funny. We used to challenge ourselves every day on on, on being innovative and and coming up with those sort of um, challenges. Um, yeah, and we we found a way that all right, well, we used to use them on spin bikes and everyone had been using them on spin bikes, but I'm pretty sure no one had been using it in that passive rest area. So I thought, ooh, let's try that and it was a winner. Yeah,
0: well, I love it. I love two things. I love just the innovation and you sort of looking for for new things and you know where can we get just you know these small you're not compromising your your whole program but you're just looking for little um, you know added added extras to to get into it and also what you touched on there which reminded me of working with um, with Richard at uh, at Albany Creek when I was there is just that that constant banter and chat and a coffee and oh what do you reckon of this set? and what do you think of this and what do you yeah. think of this idea and this and it's just a great environment to be in especially if you're a coach you know and and you really want to you know you know take it to the next level because i absolutely loved it and you look like you know your big smile on your face when you're talking about you know bouncing ideas off off your coaches as well yeah well rich rich comes from an
1: exercise science background so that yeah he's i remember him coming through the ranks and we sort of came through the ranks together and we had plenty of those conversations as well and he was yeah we, we we still do it today you know the coach is still not just challenge each other, but swap, swap sets. Mm. Um, not defendants as such, but you know, philosophize Do not even know if that's a word? Yeah, I might need to <laughs> cut that out. Um, but yeah, just. To, I reckon it should be a word though, mate. It yeah, makes well, sense to the to the sentence <laughs> to the average punter. Yeah, quite <laughs> makes sense to me. But um, yeah, it's it's. I think we we share a lot more than than possibly what coaches may have done in the past. But at the end of the day, we're we're here to get a result and the best result we can for our for athletes, but also if we're doing that, we're also getting the, the best result for the national team. Um, yeah, that's
0: that's our job. Yeah, that's uh, our job. mate. You mentioned earlier, uh, Jaco was a, an influence on you, and talking about sort of that anaerobic capacity areas and all that sort of stuff. He's he's heavy into that, and obviously with Jan Albrecht and that sort of stuff. Mm. Did you learn a lot from him through through that as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, so Jan, we were all using Jan. There was a few disciples anyway. Uh, of yarn's work and we always had questions you know yarn was very very science driven so that's good but we were sort of trying to find that balance between the science and also the practical art of coaching as well so you know we always had questions and that's why we you know the jonesies the the riches you know the sean crows like we you know mike mike sage like we'd all sort of sit down and get together and have have a couple of Couple of cordials together and um, and just talk about okay so what about this but how come you know and like and just we would we would you know discuss you know ideas and and challenge challenge the systems and challenge the, the the power and capacity plan and and then next minute you know Yako gets the job in Australia and that was actually a godsend because he had as Jan as his uh, mentor as well he'd worked with him extensively for many many years and got some amazing results probably you know, some of the best results that any coach has ever ever, ever had in, in the sport and he had that key he had the key to unlock our questions you know he yeah. had the, the theory of it he had the hard science that that yarn would, would sell to him and, and and educate him with but he also had the the coaching i had, also had the practicality and the answers that we we're looking for but he never gave us the answers he just helped us find them and through you know his, his, his style and so forth and um yeah it was big like he empowered you as well so you know, he gave you confidence that you have enough knowledge you have a question here's some areas that you might find the answers in you know and it was yeah. so he never ever ever told you what to do he just sort of maybe gave you a few ideas to, to help you on your way to to find the answer that you're looking for and that's that's pretty cool
0: yeah, mate. I tell you what, I had him on the podcast, and he's such a smooth talker. I mean, he mm-hmm. could have sold me anything, and I would have bought it. I mean, yeah. I was, I was invested just in that yeah. conversation, the, just his language and his. He's his, cool cat, uh, isn't he? Yeah, he's oh, a cool cat. mate. Absolutely, I, I was in. Yeah, as I said, he could have sold me anything, and I was like, sure, Jaco, I'm, I'm in. He, <laughs> I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, just a quick question, just more from a a curiosity point of view. I've never been, you know, to that sort of uh, elite level at Olympic Games, being a coach in that environment, you know, obviously a massive week for you guys there and such phenomenal success as I've said, what was your role? I mean, it seems like a stupid question, but I'm sure you'll sort of understand where I'm coming from, from this. What was your role or what did you see your role as through that week with your athletes, you know, I spoke to Shannon quite a lot, and you know, he was depending on who it was. Sometimes he was on sort of media control, and he was keeping people away from that, or you know, he he you know would sort of guide people through. Some people need a bit more coaching. Some people need you just to kick back and let them roll. What what did you see your role as through that week? As I said, I mean, someone's listening to this going, "What a stupid question," but I'm hoping you really understand what I'm getting at here.
1: <laughs> well, I was Dean Boxel's roommate. So there might be some insight into some of my <laughs> role. No, I've roomed I've with Boxy for a, quite a few tours now, and um, and you're right. Everyone has a role to play, and it was funny. It's funny you should mention that. I was only talking to Dean about that today. And everyone needs a Dean Boxall. Everyone, you know, every team needs a Shannon Rollins, and everyone needs a Vince or a Michael Bowler or a Chris Mooney. And and I think again, all they all that's required of us to do is to, to do our job and to do what we do and what we've done not to try and reinvent the wheel or do anything different or to be any better or to be any, you know, to do anything less. You know, we just got to be vanilla. You know, we just got to, to do the things that we do um, to help performance, I guess, is probably the best way. So be supportive. Um, you know, if, if you've got an afternoon off and, you know, there, there might be a coach that's got a couple of sets going on and it's, hey, do you need a hand? Really? It's your afternoon. It doesn't matter. I'll come in and help you. So you, you're there to really invest your arena learnings that you've you've sort of cut your teeth on over the years uh, and to to really just be a team player and, and be a support a supportive coach not only for your team your athlete your team of athletes but your your aquatic family which is your coach and, and other athletes so um, yeah I, I probably had the hardest job on tour, though, I was, I was Dean Boxall's roommate. You know, I've, I've said many times before, the guy is his energy is amazing, uh, his humour is unbelievable, but and he loves exercising every day. So unfortunately, unfortunately, he used to drag me along to all those. He nearly killed me. But he's he's also the king of the nap, mate. He absolutely loves a nap, so he's got to get his downtime. And uh, yeah, I uh, I sort of appreciate that and respect that
0: what's but, um, the key what's the key time frame for a nap
1: he, he's a two-hour man he's like he he, he smashes a two-hour nap easy
0: easy i love it i love it yeah. my missus doesn't love it because usually that means she's looking after charlie for my two-hour nap yeah. but I, def- I definitely love a good two-hour nap i've got to ask you you say sort of um rooming with with dean uh i did notice in uh when Ariane won the 200 that you were a lot closer to him uh, when he was celebrating w- were you on box or watch uh in terms of his celebrating and maybe if he started running around again did you have to get closer to him to maybe tackle him and so we didn't have any more uh, ultimate warrior impersonations
1: I <laughs> uh, definitely wasn't on watch um <laughs> i think uh yeah i think he copped a little bit of flack for the for the emotion and, and hmm. that was raw emotion that, that none of that yeah. was put on that. Oh, people, I don't know if people understand just, just what would have been flowing through most coaches' veins, let alone DNA's and the and the work that those guys had put in. So what you saw was raw emotion. I think what you saw on the 200 was, Dean, a bit of a reaction to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but there was a moment where it was like, mate, you just be <laughs> you. Like, yeah, this yeah. is, you just be you, mate. That's, we don't care what others think of us or you know we've got your back you know we love you so um but even in adelaide like at trials i was next to him i think i think it might have been 200 i can't remember now and he's jumping up and down he's jumping on me and he's bumping into me and there's this one video clip where i just look at him and he's like yelling at me i yell back at him and <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you how to find it but He's played it to me half a dozen times. He laughs. He laughs. at <laughs> the funniest thing he's ever said. I'm just looking at him and going, mate, stop bumping into me. But that's all emotion. Um, he hates losing at cards. He's probably one of the worst Monopoly card players I've seen. I don't know if you guys have ever played Monopoly cards, but um, we play a lot of Monopoly cards on tour. And he, he just gets really invested into um, like a certain color.
0: Yeah.
1: So he likes the light blues. And he, he's, he's an easy setup. He's an easy setup. <laughs> he falls into the trap every time and he gets so dirty when he loses. He hates losing. It's probably the only thing he loses in. Like I can't beat him in tennis. I can't beat him in the pool. I can't beat him in the tennis courts, but he's shocking at Monopoly cards. He's not very good. <laughs> There's a little bit of insight there.
0: There you go. Well, mate, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, I definitely think uh, my sort of reaction to when, you know, Dean had that reaction in the 400 was – he was basically everybody in their lounge rooms. I mean, you guys were over there, so you were in it, but certainly I was behind my lounge, jumping up and down, screaming. You know, I don't think many other people weren't in that sort of environment, you know, in their lounge, especially here in Sydney. We're in lockdown, so this was like the perfect entertainment for us. But I just think he was just, um, you know, and, and as I said a few times to other people, you've got to really understand what, you know, they went through. That wasn't just a mountain to climb to win an Olympic gold medal. That was beating possibly one of the greatest female swimmers of all time. Yeah. So that's an extra mountain to climb. So yeah, you've got to put it into context, don't you?
1: Absolutely. Robbie, and you hit the nail on the head, like we were so aware of what was happening in Australia. We knew that the whole country, even Queensland, was in lockdown at that stage. Someone sort of said, I think I can't remember who it was, but Someone said, oh, "Are you disappointed that, that you know, there's not 14,000 people in the And I said, "Not really." I said, "Because there's going to be at least 22 million tuned in to watch this race back at home, and, yeah. and that's what we're here to do. We're here to, to promote the country through performance, and um, yeah, we, I think we definitely use that as motivation. And I, I've said this before, and I know a few of the coaches chuckle at me for saying it and, I, and for keeps, but it really was a perfect storm for us. We had an amazing team. We had some, some athletes that were." but just ready to go. And, um, we could feel it. We could sense it, it was, you know, our team leadership from the athlete team leadership was perfect. Um, our rookies were fearless. Um, our number ones owned, you know, had ownership on number one, you know, yeah. they, um, and I think, I think we may have just hit it with, with, uh, with all, everything aligning for us. And, um, I think some of us had sort of been there before and sort of took our eyes off the prize, but we weren't going to let it happen this time. And and I don't know whether it's what it is for each different person, but personally for me, as I knew our country was in lockdown, and so I thought, here we go, here's something for you guys, and let's 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 get around this and, and let's see if we can you know, make everyone proud and, and give a little bit of a bit of cheer and a bit of hope for everyone back home. Oh well, mate, know, that- it up, mate, It was a big build-up, mate. It was a massive build-up. It was five years.
0: Five yeah. years, no, hundred percent, and and that you guys did. I mean, I've had quite a few of the swimmers on since uh, the Olympics, and and I've you know I've definitely you know not just blowing smoke up their ass, but I've I've sort of likened it to Sydney two thousand in a mm. sort of a different way. But I definitely think we're going to see the fruits of of you know Tokyo over the next you know. Ten years, certainly going into Brisbane, twenty thirty two. I think just from the swimmers that got around it, that saw these superstars perform at the top level, um, and you know some of those races, goddamn, you know some of the matchups, Chalmers versus Dressel. I mean, we sort of were getting back to that that old days yeah. where you know you had the the big uh, gunslingers out, and uh, mate, as I said, it was it was phenomenal. And one of those big moments was obviously the hundred back, and I just want to quickly touch on. With the heats in the hundred back, it went Olympic record after Olympic record after. I mean, surely that's not in your plans to say, oh, Kaylee, just go out and knock off an Olympic record. Was that just her competitiveness kicking in going, hey, these these girls are out there knocking off Olympic records?
1: I'm just going to text her now to apologize for what I'm about to say. (laughs) Um, Listen, it wasn't the plan. And it's funny, Ali Day had the cool and get a gold a couple of weeks old last weekend not last week and the weekend before, I'm not too sure where this, when this is going to air, but Ali Day won his seventh, cool and out a goal. And that's an amazing feat. He's a beast. And he said to me, he said, you know, what did you what did you say to Kaylee before the Olympics? And I said, well, if you think that I gave her any given Sunday speech, I didn't. He goes, really? And I said, no. I said, you know, like, you know, I said, hey, just be the best Kaylee McEwan you can. No, I don't need you to, to do anything different. Just, just do what you've done for the last eight, eight months. And, um, yeah just trust yourself. Don't, don't change anything, mate. You've got this. And she looked at me and she goes, you're right. I've got this, coach. And then it was right there and then I knew I needed to say nothing else. Yeah. So that was good. I was feeling good about things. You know, I hadn't said too much. I hadn't said the wrong thing. And then heat one gets up and Haley Baker and uh, the Canadian girl gets up and she just drops that Olympic record. Mm. And I'm just, thought, hmm, here we go. <laughs> that was a flex, nice flex, nice yeah. subtle flex there in the heat. Yeah. And she, you know, She's a former world champion. So it didn't surprise me. And then uh, someone, I, I think it was a guy from maybe like Argentina or whatever. And he, said, he looked at me, he didn't know who I was. And he said, Wow, that was fast. And I looked in and I said, Well, it's not going to last very long. <laughs> and he goes, Why is that? And I said, Well, Regan's in the next heat. You know, she's the world, you know, she's the former world record holder as well. And he goes, Oh, yeah, you're right. And then sure enough, she gets up there and blasts another one and, and drops it again. And I thought, yeah, good flex. And uh, I'm just looking at her, and like you know, she's pushed the goggles in a couple of times, so she wasn't super nervous. She was, you know, if she the more she pushes the goggles in, the more nervous. But she's really gotten awesome at that. She's done. She does things now so well that, yeah, you know, she's learned and matured and and all that sort of stuff. So I knew she wasn't too nervous. I knew that she'd done the work because. You know, two days earlier, she broke the world record for 50 backstroke three times in a row in training. So I knew she was primed, knew she was ready, I knew she, her skills were on point. And she gets up there and drops it. And I am like, huh, all right. So anyway, she comes back and she goes, Oh, pretty quick times, huh? And I said, Yeah, nice flex, <laughs> but can we get back to the plan? She goes, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's no way, she was no way she was going to let those two girls do that. Yeah. And, you know, and not say, Hey, I got one too, you know. Yeah. And then she dropped back down the plan. You watched I know you're talking about hundred back, but she on that race perfectly. But I don't think I've seen a swim a better race than, than what she did in, in the two hundred back as well. You know, that was that was that was timed perfectly. Mm. And people have asked have you ever were you ever nervous at any stage of the race? I said, No. I just she was just working through the process like she does. And probably the first time that, you know, she's been not in front because of it, but you got to look at the calibre of the field, right? We had so much respect for that that talent that was alongside us and in that race. We knew that we we had to be smart with our process and, and she
0: was and yeah, the rest is history. Well, I only asked a question about the heats because I have had her on and I did ask her about the heats. Yeah, and what she, she, did say? Give, yeah she gave yeah. me like that cheeky look like, yeah, look... It wasn't exactly the plan and I did kind of, (laughs) you know, know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I don't know if anybody noticed, she did go then 58-1 in the semi. So she definitely, as you said, sort of got back on track and, and, you know, got the job done and then 57-4, as you said. Here's the deal.
1: Like she'd done some stuff, like we'd we'd set up programs and and, and meets where it could have been 100 fly where she went 60.0 and then like nine minutes later. She was doing a 200 back where she may have went like a, a 210 or something you know? like so i knew that i think in the past like you look at you know people are going to go from and i'm just throwing numbers out so don't this is so they might go 60 59 and win it with a 58 right so most people can do that but i think the people that actually win the race is the people that have the capacity to do that and not hurt as much as the other person if that makes mm-hmm. sense and I knew for a fact that what we were doing is no matter what we were doing or what we needed to drop to it's something that we had exposed ourselves or trained for so to see that to see that swim in the heat didn't scare me because I knew she had the capacity I knew that because of her her absolute attention to detail and her um, her accountability to the result that we were trying to achieve in training sessions and our accountability was, was, was prime, you know? So, but yeah, she definitely, it definitely wasn't
0: planned. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you definitely, based off what you've just said and over, you know, many, many years, you'd build up that um, trust in, in both of your, you know, relationships that you knew what, what she was capable of and she trusted in that process of what you'd helped plan and obviously, as, you know, we said, the rest is history. The F-bomb, when did you hear about it and what did you think?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh I heard about it. I heard about it in the mix zone. So I'm in the mix zone and you know, I'm still fairly emotionally charged and yeah, and the cameraman goes, oh, did you hear Kaylee just said the F-word on national television? i like, what? Is she in trouble? Oh, that was my first thing, like. I've gone straight into okay, I've got to get to her, make sure she's not in trouble. Let's you know, like I was a bit and he's gone, No, it's a classic. And he gets his phone and he shows me his phone of of the the replay. And I've gone, Oh my God. So she's not in trouble. I don't have to worry, I, I can relax. And he goes, No, you're fine, mate. Yeah. And she's like it's 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 okay. It was a motion, it was whatever he said, I can't really remember now. And I said, Wait, am I live on TV yet? He goes, No, but you are in three, two, one, <laughs> and boom. It's, the camera comes on and like, uh. Uh, that's but br- um, that's brilliant. I think again, like nothing was staged. You know, no, everything was just emotion. It was just a build-up of everything, and it was, it was just yeah, it just it just happened because of um, yeah of the emotions and uh, and the excitements and, uh, and yeah. It was, the build-up of anticipation yeah, for tough. sure, and the I mean, yeah, was there was no
0: way she was getting in trouble for that, mate, because it was it was <laughs> one of the <laughs> most ballsy things, yeah, 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 oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent, yeah, we could have had a bit of troubles then, yeah, um, mate. I, I'm curious in terms of training um, for the hundred and the two hundred, and you might be able to shed a bit more knowledge on this. Maybe for backstroke, it's a little bit easier than say, you know, training for the 100 and 200 fly. You mentioned the two hundred back, and again, yeah, what a phenomenal job and. I mean, just across the board, not just Kaylee, but I think across the board, the Aussies proved more than anything else. If you trust the process, and you know that, and you really trust in that back end speed. I mean, you look at Zach to Cook. Like I was hiding behind the lounge, going, "Is he going to get there? Is he going to get there?" And then, no, no did he get oh, there? He pulled away in the end. Yeah. And you know, same with Kaylee, and same with you. Look at Ariane. You look at how you know those the winners really went about their business. Talk to me about yeah training for the hundred and the two hundred. Did you know? It, are you mindful of it? Are there things you've got to sort of compensate for, give take? But as I said, is it a little bit easier for backstroke than say maybe fly or breaststroke?
1: Um, well, Kaylee's got an amazing. Yeah, you know, we're talking about backstroke. I assume with are um, Kaylee, but um, she's got an amazing capacity. Yeah, she's got a, a really good engine, so it made my job a little bit easier, but. I think we kept the philosophy quite, quite basic in respects that the two events that we trained for was the 50 back and the 200 back. So we figured that if our 50 kept improving and our 200 kept improving, then automatically the 100 gets better, right? Now, we also had another string on our bow and that was her IM work. Uh, you know, she's, she's a 59 butterfly. She's a 67 breaststroker. She's a 57 backstroker. And she's a 54 freestyler. Now that's that's you could put together a hell of a 400 IM too, right? She's I think she's 432 or 433 400 IMer as well. So we trained those events all the way up until we got to Tokyo. So even in our training camp in our staging camp, Dean and I went up a little bit earlier than the rest just to get some you know some warm weather. And we were still doing IM sets with Mitchie and, and all that sort of stuff. So that was still on the cards all the way up. And, and I think, so I think that the philosophy of training the 50 and 200 backstroke has the specificity for the backstroke. But I think the fact that she had four solid strokes and we trained the IM all the way up, physiologically, it just gave us a really good balance um, with you know, um, skills and energy systems and you know different strokes require different energy. Her fly doesn't always come easy, but when she does swim it easy, it looks amazing. But sometimes she probably doesn't train it easy. So that probably gave us a little bit of resilience, a little bit of power there on on days that we might plan power. So I think it, again, we sort of created the perfect storm with with the, our training plan and our training philosophy because she had so many strings to her bow. Mm. But if I had to just bring it all the way back, I think it'd be really hard to separate the two importance: The 50-200 focus, and the ability to c- continue to train 200 IM or even, you know, she hates the 400 IM. She's going to, she won't be upset with me saying that one, but she knew that, you know, when she, her four, 400 IM swimming was good, everything else was, was swimming well, you know, yeah. like everything else was really balanced and, and she felt strong and she felt confident that um, she was fit and, and powerful, you know, and that's, and that, that's key for, for, for anyone, you know, that they're confident in what they do and, and what they've been doing.
0: Yeah, well, mate, I could talk to you about the you know those performances all day, and you know we, we've we've spoken for a fair bit already. So I, I want to get to the next thing, but it, you know, before I move on, just you know, congratulations on those performances, and and obviously we know Kaylee was in there, Kaylee was doing it, but you know I think so much of of what the coaches do behind the scenes and that relationship you build and knowing when to push the button knowing when to sit back as you said and you know given last year learning just to let the coach you know the swimmers sort of be autonomous and learn for themselves and but i think you've got to give yourself a massive pat on the back you probably won't do it because you're way too humble but i just want to congratulate you for for you know again phenomenal success and i was super super excited for you sitting here in sydney
1: thanks robbie no it was a good team effort like we, it, you just sense it. You sent, you sensed it at trials there was just this sense of like, wow, we're we're putting something special here together. Like the, the athletes just, they just knew what they had to do. They they were sharp. They were fit. They were excited. They were, you know, and then and and then yeah, we just assembled the team around them. And yeah, they were the athletes were unbelievable. You know, like and then we they they fed off each other. You know, like they were a real team though. And and that's not taking away from any other teams in the past, but this just you just had it was this feeling you know yeah. um and i for me again it was i think we nearly lost something and because we got it back we made sure we uh we made the most of it and, and the team certainly did that
0: and i was i'm just honored and proud
1: to be a part of something that special It was pretty cool pretty damn cool
0: yeah. Well, mate, as I said, I think you did a phenomenal job and just sort of, you know, changing tax. now. We mentioned earlier about work-life balance and, and a lot of pretty much nobody else will know this, but, you know, you and I share probably uh, a bit more of a, a closer bond in terms of how we know each other. And it's sort of outside of swimming. Because uh, for all the listeners, they already know this, I've done a whole episode basically on it because I had a break for about a year and a half from doing the podcast and then I thought I'd better let people know why I wasn't doing the podcast and it was all around, you know, my daughter Charlie and how she was um, born premature, I think 14 weeks early and, and you know, we we're in hospital for over 100 days. Um, and I just remember one day just sitting there and you'd come in. And I mean, I did know you. I'm not going to lie, but I didn't know if you'd known me, so I didn't want to be like, "Oh, hey, I know, I know who you are." So you came in because your granddaughter was in there, and she—I think she was born, I think literally a day before Charlie. Literally yeah, a day like before Charlie. Yeah, it 24
1: and a half week, close to 25 weeks. I think it was like 24 weeks and four or five days. So pretty,
0: pretty creamy. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And then and you, and you walked and, and as I said, you know, that's that's when we started having a bit of a chat after that. And then not long ago, uh, when you came down to Sydney, I had Charlie on pool deck mainly because it was daddy daughter day and I couldn't really get out of taking her. We, we're at finals and I thought, oh, stuff it. Here we go. We're going to take her in and and you got to see her. But, you know, just having a look at that work-life balance, how, how important is it? I mean, we've touched on all of the success and it is, it is important. It is phenomenal. You put a lot of effort and work in, but there's so much that goes on outside of it isn't it there's so many sacrifices that our partners make that our families make how important is it do you think especially going through that period of your life i know for me it made me really really look at what i was doing and go to be honest swimming and coaching doesn't really mean jack shit in terms of the realities of life like this is what's most important to me did you you know get anything out of that period and um how's she going now
1: oh she's killing it she's she's uh walking talking you know doing everything like charlie you know and it's it's it was wonderful to 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 see because i hadn't seen her for for like since you guys left really yeah so very much along the same lines you know amazing you know like there's not a, a week that goes by that i don't think of that time where it was i was so i was so vulnerable because there was nothing i could do that there was i'm not a big control freak but i had no control i had no knowledge i had no answers I knew that my my son and, and my daughter in law were very brave and, and I'd really admired, you know, everything, you know, the resilience and the strength that they had, but I could also see that they were they were similar with their, their vulnerability. Um but I think I think the, the big thing was the staff there at that hospital, mate, they were unbelievable. And they, yeah. you know, like I'll never forget. And it was early on in the piece and it was probably the, the, the game changer for me. Like one of the nurses that we all took a, a bit of a liking to because she was just super informative and she communicated really well. I wish I could remember her name.
0: Me too. But, I, I'm shocking with names. If I saw them, uh, I would know no, their faces straight away. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm with yep. you. I'm shocking with names. And, you know, Ari was,
1: there was a moment where, you know, she was touch and go, right? You know, yeah. and, um, you know, alarms and buzzes and. Beeping going on, and it's like, what's that? Is that good? What's that? And you know, like, had no idea. And it was one of those afternoons or even nights where it hadn't been a great day. And uh, I saw her sneak her cell phone out. She gets on the phone. She goes, "Hey," she's talking to her husband. She goes, "Hey, listen, I'm going to come home late tonight. I'm not going to be there for dinner, and I don't know what husband's." in she goes, "Yep." Yeah. So yeah, put him to bed and make sure you give him a big kiss from mum and tell him that I'll see him tomorrow morning. I'll take him to school. Yeah. So it was like right there, right then, it was like, "Hang on a sec." This chick's invested. She has like just put her own family, similar yeah. to what we do as coaches, at times, you know, like, and she's put the life and the need of this little one first. And um, I, I don't think there was a, a better, a better sign from for us to say, "Hey, listen, we can actually let go a little bit here because we're in the hands of some pretty damn amazing professionals." And um, yeah, that, that was that was a like odd moment for me to know that, hey. These people are amazing and I, I trust them now. And, mm. and sure enough, we got through and, and uh, yeah, I couldn't be any more thankful for that. But, um, yeah, balance. I think, I think the, the new generation of coaching has done a really good job with it. I think that um, balance is really important. I think that, um, you know, the 21-day macro cycle that we do not only is a good balance for the athletes that have tried the program with us, but it's also a really good program for the coaches as well you're getting four days off every three weeks so you're still doing the same amount of sessions over three weeks so you're not jipping your boss or the club or or the institution you're just doing it a little bit differently and you're condensing it and you' you know you're, you're able to work in, in your certain zones and your cert, on your certain capacities but what you've done is you've formulated a, a way to actually give yourself a, you know, a a four day weekend every three weeks why not you know so I uh, haven't done that to be lazy. We've just done that to, again, try and be a little bit more innovative around that, that, that balance, I guess. But balance is important. You, n- you never get that chance back, right? So um, it's not just a job for us. It's something we love doing. So it's yeah. not a job right, but it's important that um, you know, coaches get that balance right. And I think they're doing a very, very good job with it, to be honest.
0: Yeah. No, mate, you hit the nail on the head with those nurses, um, especially when you said all the alarms and stuff were going off, that took me straight back to just thinking, what's going on? What's happening? And they'd always come in really cool, calm and collected. No, 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 it's okay. Relax. Sit down. Press this button. Press that button. Check a couple of things. No, she's okay. And I think, oh, thank God. I was no idea and then as yeah. you said i'm a bit more of a control freak than you are so i wanted to know like okay well next time what does this mean then let me know so i don't get yep. too stressed and they're like you don't need to know relax yourself and that's as i said to you before we started i had to go through a process of learning to sort Someone of just told you yeah, chill let, a bit. yeah that's it let people and, do and their i think job. i
1: probably i probably didn't hit the nurses up as much as you did but i i was hitting you up for that information you know? <laughs> like so yeah. what does that mean and oh yeah. shit what does this mean you know yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I definitely had some questions, and yeah, I, I was probably asking you those questions, and, and you had all the answers because <laughs> you'd been there longer than asked. And, and I think we were there for the same sort of time. But you know, um, yeah, God bless. You know, everything everything's worked out well, and
0: yeah. Yeah, 100% Ari's killing it and Charlie's killing yeah. it and as I yeah. said you you wouldn't even know now you know just watching her run around uh, but so, <laughs> yeah it was it was a crazy time and I the other thing it made me think of and just going back to that work-life balance was I just I realized in that moment that you know not that I didn't matter but I didn't matter as much like she was most important thing and as I said everything else sort of sort of folded around that now coaching is still important to me but it's not the main focus and charlie is the main focus and and you know as i said having a, a really good family and home life as well as the main focus and then balancing that with
1: balance coaching. yeah it's not just a q word it's it's actually a real important word you know to and it's and that's what we work hard at every day is to create that balance and, and when we get it right it's it sings it hums. when we get it wrong well it usually comes down to hey maybe the balance is just a little bit off tilt you know so yeah. it's not a it's not a, a big fix as long as, uh, as long as you, you got it in there as as one, of your, as one of your primary focuses, I guess yeah,
0: staying on top of it, and staying I guess top. just going back to your sort of you know three week program and having a look at that that's got to be a good thing too, having that time off that sort of gives you a clear head to look at things and go, you know okay, could we fix this, could we do that?" or look at it and go no we we're doing a pretty good job here, I'm comfortable with that
1: yeah, and what happens off the back of like so I used to always get the adaptation wrong, you know, and, and and I always endeavored to not get it wrong. But, you know, you could be doing some A1 or A2 100s or whatever, and all of a sudden someone pops off a, a 60, we are like a 68. And you're like, Shit, that looked easy, you know. And it's like, oh, that was like a yeah, 39 stroke rate or 37 stroke rate. Geez, that looked easy. Nice. Yeah, you know, just go. And bang, there's another 68. Before you know it, you've probably done four or 600 meters in, in a zone that you probably, didn't want to go in but yeah. you didn't stop or the athlete felt good and they you know so four day adaptations is good they get completely away from the pool they're still going to make good choices lifestyle choices they're, they're still going to be active they can't be passive and then when we come back we do our testing off the back of that four day adaptation so we're not testing fatigue we're actually testing gains and and a part of that philosophy is we don't do anything that we can't test so we get a really good idea a really good snapshot of what those increments are or what those improvements have been because of where we're, we're testing off the back of a protocol that allows us to be fresh and, and uh yeah and then test improvements not 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 fatigues or or overloads you know yeah. yeah but yeah it's and then i just get the athletes to get on the fridge and just you know every three weeks just circle there four days and sure enough like the amount of stuff that actually falls on those four days is brilliant you know they're not missing a session because that just happens to be grandma's birthday that weekend or hey that's the weekend carol's getting married she's carol that's that's not i should have went with a more modern name Carol.
0: <laughs> you. you might be going to carol's wedding but i don't know if any of the kids are
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh, um incredible. yeah but you know what i mean so yeah. it, it just gives them a little bit of yeah you know, that week one's a killer but um yeah we we sort of robbed peter to pay paul so we, the third week makes up for week one, I guess. But, yeah, again, we just do it because I enjoy doing that. And uh, I hope that the, the kids appreciate the, the opportunity and being a little bit more innovative. And then when I walk away from the sport, I've actually maybe done something a little bit different than what it's been done for the last 60 years, I guess. So mm. I
0: can,
1: I'll be happy about that, I think, more, more, as well as all the other things that yeah we've had a chance to influence.
0: Well, mate, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I think... I don't know what I expected coming into this. I'm going to be really honest. I didn't do an awful lot of preparation because we do know each other and we had that sort of. You I asked for some. I asked for yeah. some.
1: What are, what are the curly ones You're going to go, mate? We'll just we'll just chew the fat. We'll, we'll just, just we'll just yeah yeah. And,
0: I, and and I think we we touched on some brilliant areas. And as I said, I was making notes selfishly. That's half the reason I do the podcast is my own professional development. But I, I do think a lot of people are going to get a lot of things out of this. And as I said, and and you touched on brilliantly it's it's not saying your philosophies are right and others are wrong but it's just food for thought it's yep. going to make people look at their own programs and maybe go okay, we can adapt or go, no, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, we touched on some great areas and, and especially around sort of work-life balance as well. But, mate, thank you very much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, it's been a while, as you mentioned, uh, in the making for, been <laughs> for being minute. asked to come <laughs> on. But, mate, I appreciate you coming on. And, yeah, as I said before, congratulations. I, I genuinely do believe what, you know, this, the Australian team did uh, yeah. Up in uh, in Tokyo, we'll we'll be see the fruits of that for for many many years to come. You yeah. already see the young ones coming through now, like and your Flins and those sort of guys. Yeah, don't that forget are going
1: to be- too, mate. I'll be like um like the guys that are going to compete in twenty thirty two. They're not even in our sport yet, yeah. So we really need to make sure that we get some good quality control going on. And this is this is a bit of a rant, but we need to really make sure that yeah we've got some great top end performance coaches if that's what you want to call it but we really need to focus on uh, on that quality control of what those learn to swim children and those introduction to water sort of scenarios and situations we need to really make sure that we're doing a good job there as well and not just always focus on the top end we're going to need to make sure that those learn to swim teachers are getting their kudos as well because you know, they're 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 the ones that influence our sport from the very beginning and and usually find that most of the good swimmers coming through have had a good learn swim teacher. And I think that's that's probably a message and a key area that you know if you could somehow get onto the podcast, yeah. um, would, would would be you know a homage to them that are already doing it, but also to everybody else to be mindful of, hey, we're only as good as the skill set that comes in and across our pathways eventually as well. So everyone plays a really, really important role, but those learn and swim teachers. I don't think that they're, they're the unsung heroes of, of our sport at the moment and, and we really need them and we're going to continue to need them if we're going to have success in t- 2032.
0: Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. And I'll, t- I'll hit you up on that too. All right. I'll, I'll write it down. We've got to get some Learn to Swim. Uh, it's just give, give, give credit where it's due, but let's also spend a
1: little bit more time on that. And let's put a little bit more, invest a little bit more development or I haven't got all the answers, but I'm just sort of drawing some awareness to, hey, that is a real key area.
0: I think, moving yeah. forward. 100%, yeah. mate. Well said. And as I said, thank you very much for coming on the show. I think My pleasure. Been, had a brilliant chat. I've really enjoyed it. Now I've got to duck off straight, straight off to we're pool both Yeah, we're both looking at our watch. The cup. <laughs> yeah. looking go down, honestly, yeah. and this is just because I can. we could talk for hours and probably grab a beer it's as well, cool. but we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up now maybe do a part right. two. But thank you very much, mate, and uh, have a great day. All the best. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by Pro Swim Workouts.